Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are here. Thank you for all of you who have subscribed over the last couple of weeks. Please continue to do so. For those of you who are on the Your Daily Drive network, stay there. As always, we're doing one article a week on Your Daily Drive But Life Over Coffee, we have picked up speed, so let others know we're doing two or three of these episodes a week. We are still working out our pace and our pattern, and we will figure that out eventually. Our ministry is forever changing, but that's because life changes. 2020 has told us that. Uh, There is no way that we could have predicted at the first of this year how this year would have gone, and it's not over yet. And so life does change. We change our progressive sanctification. If you have been saved for any amount of time, you are not what you used to be. You don't believe all that you used to believe, and so things change. Technology changes as well. We were doing things back in 08 when we started that we don't do now or don't do the way we did back then. My point, things change. And so we have shifted our podcasting diet. Uh, We have gone from three podcasts on Your Daily Drive a week to one. We've gone from one on Life Over Coffee to two or three. And we are looking at to do more interview work as well, and we're going to do some really cool things with the Life Over Coffee Network. Uh, those of you, many of you already know that we have the Life Over Coffee with Daniel Berger and Rick Thomas, and we're going to continue to push the Life Over Coffee brand because it gives us more flexibility and we can provide more content for you. And so make sure you are subscribed to this network. Make sure you let your friends know. And then if you don't mind that you would write a a five give us a five star review and write a a nice assessment, a a a nice recommendation wherever you listen to this podcast, and I would greatly appreciate it. In this episode, I want to talk about Jay Adams. Jay Adams passed away on Saturday, November. This is November the 23rd, and so he was uh, laid to rest a week ago, and so that would be uh, have been about the 16th, I suppose, so maybe whatever around Saturday, maybe that was November the 14th, but whatever that Saturday was, he passed away at his home right here outside of Greenville, South Carolina, which is where he has lived for a very long time. And he's about, I would say, 15 minutes from where I live, and so we do we do live in the hood. Well, I went to his memorial service. Lucian, I went to his memorial service yesterday, and I just want to talk about that briefly and just share some... I want to share a little bit of my history with Jay Adams and my appreciation for him and and kind of put a bow on it from our ministry's perspective, not that his influence is going to end, not that our appreciation for him is ever going to end. I don't mean it that way, but this season that we're in, his uh, passing or promotion uh, to heaven, there's a lot of talk about that, and rightfully so, as folks are honoring him from all over the world. I want to 
add our or my two cents as well. I did publish an article last week titled Standing on the Shoulders of Jay Adams, and I will link that here inside the show notes of this episode. That was an article on the Your Daily Drive Network, but I want to do something on this network as well and also be just a little more personal by giving you some reflections that I have about my interaction with him. And so this is episode 273. The title of it is A Few Thoughts About My History with Jay Adams. And you can look at these this bulleted list here, the few uh, links that I have in these show notes. And of course, you're welcome to respond to what I'm sharing here uh, on our community forums, which we have available to anyone around the world that wants to interact with us. We would love to do that. One of the reasons, well, one of the primary reasons we can do that is because of people like Kylie. You don't know Kylie, uh, but I do. And Kylie, Kylie sent a donation to our ministry today to help us. We're in the fall season of our fall campaign, which is when more people give to nonprofit organizations than at any time during the year. And so we have a fall campaign trying to raise funds so that we can continue to do what we do and do it better. We have several things, uh, line items that we need to take care of from hiring additional help to help us to keep up with the goodness that God is bestowing upon us with all of our traffic. We also want to do some video upgrades and some web development things because, as you know, we are giving our resources away and we need to get those pages and and things developed in LMSs, learning management systems. And so we have a lot going on, and it's expensive, just to put it quite honest with you. And so we're in our fall campaign. But Kylie uh, sent in a nice donation, as well as Richard uh, from Texas. Thank you so much, Richard, for doing that. And Bruce uh, from South Carolina, thank you uh, for doing that. I appreciate your generosity over the past couple of days. And so this is episode 273. One of the reasons, well, let me read a note that was sent in by uh, Kim. Kim, uh, I think Kim is in Texas as well. God bless Texas. Uh, She's been a longtime supporter of our ministry, but she saw a video that I put up yesterday on Facebook and and me, we, which is the primary social media platform that we're using now, we're, we will continue to use Facebook, but we're giving more emphasis to me, we, because of the suppression, the algorithm manipulation that faith, uh, Facebook does with conservative uh, organizations, conservative ministries. And so I put a video up on me, we, about a the memorial service that Lucia and I attended yesterday, and it was just two minutes, it, and it was before the service started. But anyway, Kim saw it and took the time to wrote a note, and so I want to share with you what Kim sent in. She said, Hi, Lucia and Rick. Mike and I just saw the video of Rick at Jay Adams's memorial service. What an honor to be in attendance of such a God-honoring remembrance of Jay Adams' life and ministry. Yes and amen, Kim. You you are exactly right. 
Kim goes on to say, Mike and I began our NANC journey in 1993, question mark. I guess that means circa 1993, when Randy Patton brought on-the-road training to Houston. Randy Patton was the former executive director of NANC, which is now ACBC. Randy was at the memorial service yesterday. Kim says, without question, our favorite and most sobering sessions through the years were the time spent with Jay Adams. Those question and answer sessions were always eye-opening. Today was such a small but descriptive representation of his life and work. The scope of his influence and extended has extended far beyond himself. And that is one small reason we are so thankful for you and your ministry. We appreciate your dedication to the truth of the Word and how it applies to the root of every aspect of our concerns, problems, and lives. Those are tall shoulders to stand on. Because of him, Kim, with Mike. Yes, you're right in everything that you said. Those are tall shoulders to stand on, and and he certainly uh, has had great influence uh, far and wide. And so, Kim, thank you uh, for seeing that brief video, and it was cool of you to actually write and share these kind words. And thank you also, Kim, for being a longtime supporter of this ministry. Part of why I wasn't planning on doing this podcast, but I listened to another podcast where a biblical counselor was sharing their reflections of of Jay Adams, and I'm not going to mention who that person is. I'll just call that person a podcaster and leave it at that. But during their short 20-25 minute podcast, they said that they apologized for Jay Adams five times. They said things like, uh, we don't agree on everything. He was a flawed man and, and that kind of thing. And after a while, it was just, it was kind of off-putting to me personally. I don't, I just don't like that. I just don't like that. First of all, the man has, uh, has passed away eight days, nine days ago. And let's just let it be. Let's just honor, honor the man but there seems to be, and I see a lot of this, uh, I've seen it hist- for a long period of time, but I've seen it even more so because of our cancel culture. A lot of people, for whatever reason, and I'm not attributing any kind of ill motive to this individual because I don't know the individual that well, and I have no idea what the motivation was, but there seems to be a desire to make sure that we have distanced ourselves enough from an individual apologetically by apologizing for them or by stating our differences from them. We do that a lot, and it's just unnecessary. And we need to stop doing that. We don't do that. Like So here's, here's the irony. People would quote, like, say, Franklin Roosevelt, for example, or they would quote, uh, Winston Churchill, and and they have great quotes. They they have said great things, as far as being quotable. And we would not say, well, we don't. I don't know, align with Winston Churchill on everything, but he did have a good quote here. We don't say that. But when it comes to somebody who is closer to us, like kind of maybe in our camp, 
we want to make sure that people understand that, well, yeah, this person has done a great work, but I didn't align with him on everything. And we have to make that statement. And I just wish people would stop. You'll see it on Facebook as well. Uh, people like post our content and, and they'll say, I'm not trying to start an argument or I don't agree with everything, but this is really good. Just say that your yes be yes and your no be no. Just say it. I like this. And don't caveat it and footnote it so that you can elevate yourself above this person or distinguish yourself from this person so that you uh, can what and again I, this is where I could get into attributing motive and I'm I'm going to stop right there but I think I do think with some people that they don't want to get hit or they don't want to be targeted by the flyby culture that that will say oh you're you're in his his camp or I don't like him and and you're guilty by association and so we want to distinguish ourselves from people I find that quite off-putting. And, you know, if the person in the podcast just said it one time, I could probably roll with it. But it was five times, and it was like enough already. And under 25 minutes, you distinguished yourself as being different from him five times. So every five minutes, you have to caveat where you are at a point of disagreement with an individual. Just honor the man, as you said you were going to do. And, and don't say these things. But and I honestly, I don't even think people think about it. I don't think they do. I, I think it's so trained in us to distinguish ourselves because of rapid fire, gunfire. If I don't point out the three things that I dislike about this individual, people are going to shoot at me. Now, again, some people do believe that. I'm not necessarily attributing that to this particular podcast podcaster. Uh, but please don't do that. Just honor the man and move on if you like what they said. So anyway, uh, that being said, I want to share with you my brief reflections with Jay. Uh, they were limited. Uh, like most of you, uh, I knew him more from a distance than up close and personal. And so I first heard uh, about Jay from a, a man named Kevin Ryan. Kevin Ryan was a 20-something-year-old young man in 19, 1990, maybe, uh, 1989-1990. Uh, in Queens, New York. We were sitting in an apartment. There were a group of us. We went up to New York, to Queens, to track the subways and tell people about Christ, etc. And we were relaxing one afternoon. We were all tired, exhausted, really. We were sitting around in a room and just talking and having some sweet fellowship. It was actually that apartment time, those minutes that we had together with Kevin and a few other folks was some of the more more transformative times in my entire life, and maybe I could talk about that later. But during that uh, time in the apartment, Kevin asked me if I ever heard of Jay Adams, and I said, no, I haven't. He told me about a book, Competent to Counsel, and I had not heard of Jay Adams. You, I was a fundamental Baptist. I was a fundamentalist, and fundamentalists hate everybody. That's the way I, that's the way I say it. We don't like every, anybody. We separate ourselves from everybody, and so we, we definitely don't associate with people who aren't like us, and Jay Adams is a Presbyterian, and 
dear God, you know you don't associate with Presbyterians, <laughs> not as a fundamentalist. And, and so we were very much isolated and sequestered as a legalistic fundamentalist. And so when Kevin said, you heard of Jay Adams, well, of course I hadn't. Uh, and then he'd talk about competent to counsel. Well, of course I had not heard of that either. I and mean, that's not how we do as good fundamental Baptists. What, what we do is we just preach louder. We just yell louder and we preach the devil out of them. We don't uh, counsel. And so that was just an odd thing to me. But the reason Kevin asked me is because I lived next door to Jay Adams. Now, I didn't know that, but he kind of knew that. And it is ironic in my fundamentalist uh, Bible college, uh, we, we, uh, our psychology book was by a, a man named Bruce Naramore, who was not a biblical counselor. And uh, my psychology teacher, in my Fundamentalist Baptist Bible College, uh, one of the things he taught us was, I kid you not, kinetic house tree person drawings. I got a lot to say about that, but that's a thing uh, where somebody draws a house, a person, and a tree, and then they interpret it and they counsel you accordingly. Now, I want you to think about that. And so our psychology teacher was teaching us kinetic house tree person drawings and also unrelated, but during the same class, a, a, the book, the primary text was by Bruce Naramore or, or Clyde Naramore. I think that was it. I think it was Clyde Naramore. Well, it all made sense to me. I mean, he's a psychology teacher. What do I know? My point is uh, fundamental Baptists believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, but yet we have pagan people, integrated people, people that don't believe in the sufficiency of Scripture teaching us how to do discipleship. Now, there's a lot of irony there. But nevertheless, Kevin was saying that, you know, asked me, and I said no. And so when I came back home in those early 90s, whatever year it was, and I don't know how I found this out, and maybe I just ran across this later, but I realized that Jay Adams was pastoring a church called Harrison Bridge Church in Simpsonville, South Carolina, which again, you know, 15, 20 minutes from where I live. There was no Google back then, so I'm not sure how I learned that. But I went down there, and I uh, and he was preaching that particular Sunday, and they were Presbyterians, and so it was a big risk for me. And so one of the things I noticed is that Jay, well, he didn't preach. He just talked. He just talked. And so I thought that was odd, but he was a nice man, and he just talked. And what I mean by preach, what I'm saying here, uh, he didn't yell at us. He just talked. And one of the things that he said, uh, I don't remember what he preached on, but I do remember him saying this. He said, some people talk about being felt led. He said, what is that? Is that is that a new kind of pen, a felt lead pen. And of course, he was taking shots at the charismatics. And so I thought that was humorous. And it's like, well, he's just an interesting fellow. And then we spoke briefly uh, after the church meeting on that particular Sunday. And, and that was it. Eventually, I got competent to counsel and started reading it. And things really began to change for me. It was so different for uh, from us fundamentalist because that's just not we just didn't know how to do discipleship and what jay was teaching about sufficiency of scripture it started re really transforming how uh, i thought about this whole idea i mean again biblical counseling was not a part of my 
uh, of my repertoire of words that I used at that time because, again, it's, we just preached the word. We didn't counsel it. And so all this was new to me, but that was my early introduction. And I do appreciate Kevin Ryan in Queens, New York, of asking me if I ever heard of this man. Well, later on, I went to the Master's University, and, of course, I was deeply indoctrinated in uh, all things Jay Adams and Wayne Mack and Stuart Scott, and et cetera. And, and I would say that my four years at the Master's University was the most transformative time of my entire life as far as sanctification is concerned. My two years, I don't know what I just said, but my two years at the Master's University uh, where I got my MABC, my Master's in Biblical Counseling. I mean, it was, a, it was, the, it was the world's largest sanctification fire hose. And so that really just pushed me over the top and and changed everything about my life as far as counseling, sanctification, discipleship is concerned. And then move forward when I got my fellowship in, I think it was like 2008, whenever they had the NANC conference in St. Louis, I chatted briefly with Jay Adams then, and he was always a very warm person to talk with, and I enjoyed that. He had, I don't think he had any recollection of me meeting him uh, some 10 or 15 years earlier. There's no reason that he would, uh, because he meets so many people. And then as I was... um, Oh, maybe the St. Louis meeting was that, because that's when I got my fellowship. And so I met him before that, because I knew now that Jay had he had retired, and he lived next door, more or less. And so before I got my fellowship, I emailed him or called him and asked him if we could meet, and I wanted him to supervise me through my fellowship. And so we met at a restaurant in Woodruff, South Carolina. I think the name of it was called Broncos. And so we went down, I went, we met there, and <laughs> it went like this. I wanted him to supervise me into my fellowship, and I said, Jay, uh, I'm working on my fellowship. No, it went just like that. I mean, exactly like that. And I said, Jay, um, can I at least ask you my question before you reject me? He says, sure, <laughs> go ahead. And so I said, uh, well, I'm working on my fellowship, and I need a, a another fellow uh, to uh, supervise me. This is the last part, and I figured since you live next door that you could supervise me. And, you know, would you be willing to do that? No, he said. And so it was kind of funny. And I asked him why, and he said, well, at this point in my life, I don't want to be tied down to, you know, meeting with someone every Tuesday for the next year or so. I want to. I need to be freer. I, I I need to do writing. I need to do some other things, and I'd be glad to do it. But this is just not the time and the season in my life. And I respected that, and it was great. It was fantastic. And so we chatted for uh, quite a while. He was very generous with his time. He was so warm, so friendly. He brought a stack of books that he signed for me. His arm was broken. Uh, at the time, and and so he really went out of his way just to meet with this young punk counseling kid, and uh, he was very generous, and uh, it was just a wonderful experience. And then later, I met him in St. Louis because that's when I uh, was given my little certificate for my my fellowship. One of the things I've noticed about Jay is there's two sides of him, and the way that I have described it is that he's like Luther in the pulpit where he is blazing a trail 
know, he pulls out the machete and the chainsaw and the axe, and he's just really cutting a trail that did not exist. And so he has a very, uh, in his younger days, he had a very strong pulpit force and authoritarianism and determinism and dogmatism about what he believed. And of course, he was right, and he communicated that with a lot of force. But uh, he was gramps in the living room. And that's one of the things that was said repeatedly yesterday at the memorial service is that his grandchildren got up and grandchildren-in-law got up, and, and, and that's what they all called him. They called him Gramps. And so I'm using that word here because I did not connect that word with him prior to yesterday, but I understood it immediately when they said it because that was my that has always been my experience with him outside of the pulpit, uh, that he was a grandfatherly kind of person, very compassionate, loving, uh, funny person, a uh, lot of humor, and all that came out yesterday at the memorial service. But he was also Luther in the pulpit. And one of the things that I've noticed with the, with back in the old days, especially with a lot of Nank counselors, is that they would imitate Jay's pulpit persona in the counseling office. And that's the way it came across. Nank in this part of the country became a verb where you nank somebody because you're so harsh. And that's not Jay's fault. It's not Jay's fault at all. Uh, it's really a, a person that doesn't have the discernment to uh, know how to conduct yourself in a counseling office and how to conduct yourself uh, in a, a pulpit. If you're not a gentle person in the counseling office, it's on you. And unfortunately, some people have attributed that to Jay Adams, and that has just not been my experience. And honestly, when I talk to people who know him, that's not been their experience either. It would it would be like discerning the difference. We need to discern the difference between a pulpit demeanor and a counseling demeanor. One of the analogies that I would use would be the difference between a football coach and then the football coach as a husband, a father, as a grandfather. Those should be two different personalities. And Jay Adams was like that. He had two different personalities. Each one of them fit the occasion. And so in the pulpit where he is demanding that we stand on the sufficiency of Scripture and that uh, we don't deviate from it, he comes across with all the authoritarianism that he should come across with to make his point, much like Spurgeon or Luther or some of the other great pulpiteers that we are familiar with or heard about. But then when you meet them in the counseling office or the living room, well, it's a different kind of persona, and that's the way Jay was. And so if you are or if you have been uh, labeled as a harsh counselor, that's all on you. I mean, if you're not gentle, that's a gift of the Spirit. And if you're not gentle, then I would just appeal to you to change. I do want to speak briefly to the memorial service yesterday. Bill Slattery, uh, Jay's son-in-law, led the service. Uh, It was at Abner Creek Baptist Church. Uh, Bill pastors Redeemer Presbyterian Church and has been pastoring that church uh, for years. I spoke briefly with him before and after the service, but the service was absolutely uh, fabulous. It was just absolutely fabulous. Uh, Lucia was crying during a good portion of the service. I mean, the music was off the chain. Uh, Bill got up and he did he he did sing um, uh, uh, the uh, this is my this is my memory here when peace like a river, uh, and when he got up 
and, and did that. It was just it was just unbelievable. But all the other songs uh, were like that as well. I'm sorry for my memory problems. Uh, I, I do have memory issues, and it's something that we're trying to address. But nevertheless, uh, the singing was just really fantastic. But one of the things, it just reminded me of the treasure that we have uh, in Jay Adams and that there will be a legacy. It, it will continue uh, to outlive him. And it's how I want to model this ministry here. As I've said many times, that uh, my unwritten mission statement is to reach every person on the planet with the gospel and to live 25 years after I die. Well, Jay Adams has the potential of doing that because of the books that he has written, the resources uh, that he has archived, and the people that uh, he's been has influenced as far as replication is concerned. There is no question that he's going to live 25 or more years after he dies, and that is exactly what I want to do. If you haven't read uh, Competent Counsel, he wrote that in 1970, and that was the landmark book that really got all this rolling. If you hadn't read it, I would commend it to you that you get his books and that you read them and and learn them uh, he is the father of the biblical counseling movement i was very pleased very thankful that we could be part of the memorial service i wish his family betty jane and his wife and his children grandchildren and uh, all of them i wish them well as they work through this time there were obviously a lot of tears yesterday a lot of good memories one quick final one 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 gentleman got up and said he asked uh, he met jay uh, initially and asked him to sign his book and jay said what do you want me to uh, put in the book and he said i don't know i mean just just write something neat and so jay signed the book and then uh, when the gentleman got the book he opened it up and guess what Jay wrote something neat. That's Jay Adams. A few thoughts about my history with him. Thanks for listening. God bless. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.